Hey everyone, I, uh, I'm super grateful to be able to talk to you today. Um, I'm, I've been really looking forward to this. So a little over a month ago, Pastor Greg, or PG as we like to call him at home, <laughs> asked me to speak on Ecclesiastes. And uh, Ecclesiastes is a really interesting book. It's, uh, um, it starts out with meaningless, 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 everything is meaningless. And so that's pretty interesting. And that trend continues throughout the book. Um, and then we see later on little glimmers of hope and optimism in there, which we'll unpack later. Um, but I was thinking when uh, my dad asked me to talk, I was thinking, like, how, how do I approach this? You know, maybe I'll be inspiring like Jonathan or, you know, take the passionate American route like Paul or maybe try to sound super smart like my dad. But then I realized it was all meaningless anyways. So I'll just give it my best shot. Um, but really, all this study in Ecclesiastes has been super good for my heart and got me thinking a lot about like, what's, what's important in my life, like what gives my life true value. And, uh, and then also has caused me to wrestle with meaninglessness and the fear of having an insignificant life, um, which can be really scary sometimes. Because uh, I think we all desire a meaningful life. And so a prime example for me is school. So I study here at Langara, and I study psychology. Um, and it's funny, whenever I tell people I study psychology, they kind of look at me a little funny, and they say, why psychology? And I think, good question. Uh, why psychology? I don't always know all the time. Uh, why go to school um, at all? Um, this is something that I've really wrestled with. Um, because growing up, in like, as a kid in elementary school, teachers are always telling you, you can be whatever you want to be, and you can do whatever you want to do, and stay in school. And so school has been set up to be this thing that's supposed to make me significant and give me purpose in my life. Um, or at least that's what they said. Um, but then I find myself sitting in a classroom that I don't really want to be in, reading textbooks I'm not even going to remember the name of in three months. Um, but at the same time, there's this longing in my heart to have a significant life, to live a purposeful life, and school was supposed to be this thing that would get me there. And so my struggle has been trying to reconcile desiring meaningfulness and having the attempt at it be so disappointing. Let me say that again. I've been trying to reconcile desiring meaningfulness and having the attempt at it be so disappointing. Apparently people's mouths get dry when they're nervous. And I don't feel alone in this. I think a lot of people in my generation struggle with this idea of, of being afraid of meaninglessness and longing to be significant and find self-fulfillment. And uh, because we've all been told those same things. And so that's why the whole millennial thing is, uh, it's really interesting. And a lot of, I talk to a lot of students that wonder why they study what they study. Because um, it's, we all have the same thing. It's we want to be significant, and we're told this is going to fulfill us, but it, it's, we still all struggle with how meaningless it feels sometimes. And I know a lot of nights my head hits the pillow and I wonder, like, what am I doing? And, and I think a lot of people have that too. And so response is often try harder, like, like work harder and do something significant with your life, um, or give up and let it cripple you. Um, 
And so what I think Ecclesiastes is trying to get at, and we're going to unpack this, is that the pursuit of that self-made significance is actually what robs us of it in the end. Um, I want to say that again, too. The pursuit of self-made purpose is what, ul- what ultimately robs us of significance. Um, and so Ecclesiastes addresses this super well. Um, a bit of background. So it's part of the wisdom literature books in the Old Testament. Um, and it's addressing the human condition. Uh, and it contains a really important contrast of uh, life without God and life with God. So there's a quote um, from the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible. Um, bear with me. It's got a lot of big words in it, but I'll try to explain it. Um, the book of Ecclesiastes demonstrates the meaninglessness of a worldview that does not press beyond the limits of human experience to include God. So basically, there's two things going on. There's the human experience um, without God, then it's, it's just human experience alone, and then there's life with God. And so Ecclesiastes is talking all about that contrast. Um, and so the author, um, there's a bit of debate about it. It's, it's Solomon. I think it's safe to say. Uh, some people like to go back and forth that, about different things, but it's not so important. Um, but the, the thing about it is there's a speaker in the book that's different from the author. And the speaker calls himself the pastor or teacher, depending on the translation. So what's important about the speaker is this. He's just like us. He longs to have significance, to find meaning in his life, but is struggling to find it. Um, and he presents this contrast between life without God and life with God super, super well. So a uh, couple of phrases. He, when he's talking about life without God, he calls it life under the sun. Okay, that's, that's the kind of phrase that he uses. Um, and then we'll call the other just life with God um, for simplicity's sake. So the first uh, chapters of the book provide a close, hard look at life under the sun. And so we see the, the speaker's attempt to manufacture his significance and a meaningful life, and then we see the results of those things. So there's a ton of little things throughout the book that he talks about, lots of different areas of life, and, um, but there's kind of three main ones that I found that continue to be a trend throughout. And so there's pleasures, work, and wisdom. And so those, those are the kind of three main things that he continues to touch on. And so we'll look at the first one, um, pleasures. So uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ecclesiastes 2, uh, verse 10 and 11. I'll give you a second, and then I'll read it out. Okay. It says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired, I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. So, pleasures is such an interesting thing because I think we all desire comfort and pleasure. Um, And this guy, the speaker, um, when you read the book, you'll see he's a wealthy king. And so the fact that he would say, I denied myself nothing, I mean, that means a whole bunch of things. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, he, he lived it up. But it's interesting that at the end, he says that it's ultimately unfulfilling. Um, and nothing was gained under the sun. So pleasures, you may experience them, and they, 
they may be great, but they don't last. And then work. Uh, we'll go to chapter 2, verse 21 to 23. Um, okay. For a man may do his work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then he must leave all he owns to someone who has not worked for it. This, too, is meaningless and a great misfortune. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? All his days, are, all his, days his work is pain and grief. Even at night his mind does not rest. This, too, is meaningless. Um, so work, there's kind of two big bummers about work under the sun. Um, it's super tiring and painful, which I'm sure a lot of us can relate to. Um, and it's just grueling. And then the second bummer is that everything that you work for is just going to get passed on. And the book talks about, like, you might even get too old to enjoy it sometimes. Um, and so it's interesting. It says it's a great misfortune to work hard and then to leave everything behind. Uh, next is wisdom. So we'll go chapter 1, verse 18. Um, and then also chapter 2, verse 15 to 16. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Okay. Then I thought in my heart, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said in my heart, this too is meaningless. For the wise man, like the fool, will not long be remembered. In days to come, both will be forgotten. Like the fool, the wise man too must die. So like work, wisdom is tiring and painful. And with more wisdom comes more grief. Because there's really nothing to gain at the end of the day. Because everyone dies. So what's the point of working hard to acquire knowledge and wisdom when it doesn't actually gain you a better outcome in life? So Ecclesiastes paints a pretty gloomy picture of life under the sun. Um, and I find it so interesting how much we can relate to the speaker's, like, struggle um, with pleasures. We, we all want pleasures, but I, I talk to so many people that, like, the things that they go to still leave them unfulfilled, and I talk to people who work really hard but still, um, like, sh struggle with having any, like, uh, for, it, for their work to be rewarding. Um, and I find it so interesting that as, like, in my generation, we're supposed to be these significant people who are starting companies and work at big, like, software corporations, but still anxiety, depression, and loneliness are, like, plaguing my generation. Um, so we pursue these things in an attempt to manufacture meaningfulness in our lives, but they end up leaving us empty. So I think it's safe to say that Ecclesiastes, um, or according, according to Ecclesiastes, life under the sun slash life without God is undoubtedly meaningless. We doing okay? <laughs> That's the hard part. Um, it's, uh, yeah, reading the first couple chapters is a task. But let's move on to life with God. Um, so alongside the speaker's description of life under the sun, 
He paints another picture, one of hope and meaning. This is life with God. So some helpful verses before we go into those same three things um, is in chapter 3, verse 11, and then verse 14. So I'll just read those out. He has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. That's the important part. He has set eternity in the hearts of men. And then verse 14, um, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. So God setting eternity in the hearts of men is super, super important. And it explains our struggle. Because what eternity means in this context is things that will last forever. Like the, the things that give our lives meaning and significance. That's eternity. Um, and so that's in our hearts, is that longing, which kind of explains why we look for it um, so much. But then that leaves us with the question, where does eternity come from? It comes from the hand of God. Because he is what endures. His work is what endures. And so I think that translates over to significance, that he is what can give our lives significance and our actions significance. Because everything that's eternal comes from him. So let's look again at the three main topics pleasures. So we'll go to chapter 2, um, 24 to 25, and then 3, 12 to 13. Okay. A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? Um, and then 3, 12 to I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live, that, um, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. So what I find so interesting about that is right after saying pleasures are meaningless, he says they can actually be um, enjoyed and fulfilling when they're from the hand of God. So as we're going through life with God, watch out for that phrase, from the hand of God, or this is the gift of God, because that's how we know the speaker is talking about life with God. Um, and then you'll see that when he's talking about life without God, he says under the sun. Um, so it's really important to note that uh, the same pleasures that were once meaningless are now enjoyable because they're a gift from God, not made by ourselves. Then work is chapter 5, um, 18 to 20. Then I realized that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is a gift from God. He seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with gladness of heart. So work, um, it's interesting. It doesn't fail to say that work is hard. Because, I mean, when, after the fall in Genesis, that, that was God's promise to Adam, was that because of your sin, your work is going to be difficult. And so that remains true. But what's, what's cool is that God redeems it and makes it rewarding. Um, and so work goes from being this really tiring thing to it actually gets your mind off of your life. It says it, it, he keeps you occupied with gladness of heart through work. 
I think that's, that's totally redeems it in my mind. Um, and wisdom. Wisdom is a bit trickier because the speaker in Ecclesiastes says that regardless of whether you're living life under the sun or with God, uh, it's better to be wise than a fool, um, even though it, it can be meaningless. Um, but we'll look at chapter 7, which is kind of the wisdom chapter. Um, and the speaker kind of bounces back and forth between wisdom's not really worth it, but you should really have it because it's a gift. And he kind of goes back and forth. And so we'll look at uh, verse 11 and 12. And then it kind of, the wisdom part dips into chapter 8. So we'll just look at verse 1 as well. So here we go. Wisdom, like an inheritance, is a good thing and benefits those who see the sun. Wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter. But the advantage of knowledge is this, the, that wisdom preserves the life of its possessor. Who is like the wise man? Who knows the explanation of things? Wisdom brightens a man's face and changes its hard appearance. So uh, wisdom is such a cool thing because it says in chapter 7, it, it preserves the life of its possessor. And so preservation is kind of linked to that idea of eternity or lasting, right? And so wisdom, when it comes from God, is eternally significant. And I think what's so cool about it is it actually can change your whole outlook on life when it comes from God. It says it brightens a, a man's heart appearance, which is really cool. Um, so we'll look at uh, chapter 9, verse 7 to 10, and I think this is a really good summary of this contrast. Uh, between life under the sun and life with God. It says, Go, eat your food with gladness, and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for it is now that God favors what you do. Always be clothed in white, and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of your meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life, and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the grave where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. So Ecclesiastes is it's so cool because it addresses what's going on in our hearts. We all struggle with the meaninglessness of our lives, but it says there's hope. Like when you work, do with all your might because it's worth it. And enjoy your life and um, seek wisdom because you're not going to be able to do any of that when you're dead. Um, and I, I, uh, the other cool thing is that the things in and of themselves, like uh, pleasures, work, and wisdom, aren't the point. Uh, they don't actually matter. It's where they come from. It's who's the source of those things that gives them significance. So now we've talked about life without God. We've talked with, about life with God. But where do we fit into this? Like, how do we participate in, um, in these things? So we're going to go to the conclusion of the book, which is at the end of chapter 12, verse 13 and 14. Um, it says, Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of a man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So we fear God, we keep his commandments, and we trust that he knows what's right. Um, we fear God, we keep his commandments, and we trust that he knows what's right. And I think this is so countercultural, especially in my generation, because like I said, as a kid, you're told, be true to yourself. Find out who you are. Don't, you don't need to be afraid of anybody. 
because you're what matters and you don't need to do what anybody tells you to do and you decide what's right and wrong for yourself. And God presents this other side of the coin that says, actually, I want to be in charge of your life and I want to be what gives you significance and I need you to trust me to know what's right and wrong. And so I think it's an issue of authority because we all have eternity in our hearts, but as long as it's about us and what we, or us, or as long as it's about us, and we have the authorities over our pleasures and work and wisdom, they, along with the rest of our lives, become meaningless. But if we give God the authority over our pleasures, our work, and our wisdom, um, which looks like living in reverence of him, obeying his commands, and allowing him to decide all things, he redeems those same things and allows us to live eternally significant lives. Um, I think this is huge. So how does it apply to our lives? Um, I came up with some examples from mine. Um, so for pleasures, I, I really like watching TV. Uh, it, so in my first year here at Langara, I, mm, I watched like all nine seasons of The Office in less than a month. Like I, I watched a lot of TV <laughs> because that was my source of comfort and, uh, and pleasure during like a difficult time in my life. That's what I went to. I just watched a ton of TV. I mean, Dad, the amount of times you came down the stairs and you were like, you're still watching The Office? Like, yep. But uh, I remember finishing the show. One, it's an amazing show. You should watch it. But uh, I remember just being like, wow, I've wasted so much time. Like, it, doesn't, it didn't fulfill me at all. And I remember talking to God and saying, like, TV has been a source of comfort for me but it's not working, and I want you to be my source of comfort and pleasure. And what he said to me was so interesting. He said, then go watch TV. And I was like, wow, like what a shift. He doesn't actually care about the thing. I mean, don't sin, right? That's, that's obvious. But when it comes to like the pleasures of life, enjoy them, but understand where they come from. That's huge for me. And for work, um, I just finished my second summer of construction. Um, and it has the potential to be super tiring and discouraging um, and not that enjoyable. But what I've learned as I've worked and trying to give, especially like after reading Ecclesiastes, trying to give God the control over what makes my wor work meaningful, it's changed my total outlook on construction. Because now I'm not just on a construction site, I'm in someone's home building them a place to live and to love and to enjoy life. And so instead of having my, like swinging my hammer just be tiring, it's like, no, I'm building something for someone. And it's changed the way I interact with my coworkers. I, uh, I <laughs> one of them is here today, and I'm super grateful. Um, and it's been so cool to be able to build a relationship with my coworkers that's not just like, you know, like we're building a thing and grumble, grumble, grumble. It's like, like how are you doing? How's life at home? Because God's what, what defines my relationship with my coworkers. And then wisdom, I think, goes back to the whole school thing. Is school can be so meaningless for me because I don't, you know, like, I don't care about statistics or, you know, primatology. But um, taking a stats class and um, taking an anthropology course and trying to see, like, God, why am I here? Like, 
why is this important? It's because now I can have conversations with people about evolution that I wouldn't have been able to have before. Or when people are talking about numbers, I can pitch in a little bit. Like, I don't want to that much. But now I can. Because when God defines what, uh, like, my pursuit of knowledge, it actually becomes a life-giving thing that I can talk with my friends about. Um, so my question for you guys is, what are some of the pleasures that you have authority over in your life right now? And how are you feeling about work? What's that like for you? And are you pursuing wisdom and knowledge, or is it just a waste of time? But I think the biggest question for sure is, who is it all about? Because we know from Ecclesiastes that that's what defines, what gives it value and meaning. So Ecclesiastes has shown us what a life without God is like, and it's painted a picture of what life with God can be. And finally, it's shown us how to participate in, um, in a life with God. It looks like fearing him, obeying his commands, and trusting him. But uh, what I really wanted to leave you with is, is that this God who's asking you to fear, obey, and trust him is the same God that died for you and wants to give you a hope and a future. Like Jesus came to earth to experience the human condition. Like he came so that he could be a part of that and work it through with you. And so he does, like Ecclesiastes is interesting because it, it, it shows us a lot what life without God is like. But like Jesus came and wanted to be a part of that so he could relate to us in that because he understands our struggle. And so at first I read Ecclesiastes as a dreary commentary on the human condition. But now when I read it, it paints a picture of a God who wants to save his people from a meaningless existence and give them um, eternal significance by asking them to enter into a relationship with him. And so he invites us to look beyond what's under the sun and look at him so that we can um, find the eternal meaning that our hearts have always desired. Thanks. Isn't that helpful? It seems as though the way that we find um, uh, meaning now is to view this moment in terms of where it came from and where it's going. And so we, if we think that where it came from is our own mind and intellect, we should be discouraged. But if we see this moment as coming from the hand of God, it changes everything. Furthermore, as we see where this moment can go into, as Tyler described, eternity, it also injects this moment with incredible significance. So I'd like to pray for us that we'd be able to see these daily moments of pleasure and of work and of wisdom as where they came from, receiving where they came from, and then serving them to where God wants them to go. Let's pray. Father, I ask now that you would reveal to us sources of discouragement, sources of meaninglessness. What am I doing this for? Show us now a place in our life that's like that. Father, I pray that you would give us the grace 
to receive those moments that could be incredibly discouraging, that we would receive those moments as coming from you. So in this moment, uh, thank God for your work, for understanding, for pleasure. Receive it as coming from Him. And God, as we receive these moments as coming from You, I pray now that You would show us how they're to become eternally meaningful. Show us what you're doing in these moments, moments that we'd prefer to ignore or not have. Show us what you're doing in these moments, how you're making us like you, how you're giving us the opportunity to love others sacrificially, how we're building for something beyond just our own personal pleasure and enjoyment and self-fulfillment. Redeem these moments with a bigger eternal vision.